Bad leaders are everyone's worst nightmare, giving you the ultimate playbook to lead, inspire, and grow your team. Better Tech Leadership, powered by BrainHub. Hey, Dennis. Uh, happy to have you here, uh, that you have found some time uh, to have this interview uh, with me. Thanks, Matt, for the invitation. Cool to meet you here. And I wanted to start from the first question uh, because your background is consulting. Uh, you worked for the consulting before and uh, you build your startup. And based on what I know and what I saw, this is uh, really helpful to work in the consulting before starting the startups. And I know many companies hiring so-called entrepreneur and re residents and their background is usually the consulting. Uh, so I'm just wondering how has the consulting shaped you as a leader in a startup? How this helped you, or maybe it was uh, for you, it was not helpful, but uh, completely opposite. <laughs> so I would say literally it's, it's, uh, it's both at the same time. You see, you see, you learn a lot in consulting and that's also the idea why most people start in, in consulting in the, in the beginning after their studies. Because the core idea is to say, okay, I want to learn. I want to get to know different industries. I want to get to get to know different people and so on. And this was also my, my reason. Honestly, I was 23 years old and I had no clue what to do in, in, in business. Um, and if I would have started a company, it would have for sure a fail. Um, on the other side, also, you see a lot of companies, you make a lot of network, you learn uh, a lot about industry dynamics, about market dynamics, um, how you build a business plan and so on. So you get all the um, core things that you need to do, um, but you're still not an entrepreneur. So I have to say in the beginning, uh, I still was in 2012 when I started my company, I was a bit still lost because it's a, it's a completely different way of working and you have to, to find your own methodology, your own ideas and your own, um, kind of working methods to, to make it, uh, a successful way. But in the end, consulting is a good preparation because you have all the tools, the mindset, you have all the network which you need later to be successful. Nice. And I'm just wondering because the next step for you, it was starting the, the startup after a few years in consulting. I know that the things change for you at the very moment. You are in a, in a, in a position where you transition yourself from, uh, from the startup. Uh, and the, it was not a startup. Jacando is already established company, right? Because you're running it like more than 10 years, right? Um, and I'm wondering yes. if you yes. could tell more about your team structure and the responsibility there. Yes, I think this was one of the reasons also why I took the decision in last autumn to invite a strategic investor to take a, a big part of Yakando. Um, in the end, it's a difficult decision that you have to make at some point that you say somebody can, can buy parts of your company. Of course, it was not 100% my company anymore, but still you feel you give something away. But why did I do this? The reason is you need to, at some point, you need to find leverage and you need to also find, to build up senior management um, to give away responsibilities. And this was one of the issues which we had in uh, until like last summer that we have majorly, I was responsible for most of the teams. Um, in the end, when I left Yakando uh, end of June, so two months ago, I was still responsible for two teams. Um, so I was managing the whole sales team and I was managing the product management. Um, and I also had manager for other teams directly reporting to me. So it was a lot um, on a single person. 
which is also for a company of uh, of the size of Yakando a big risk because at some point if I am not available to work anymore or something happens just to me um, the company is totally lost um, so this was also the decision to bring it to a bigger scale to a positioning where other people take responsibility and this was also a good decision for not only for me but also for the company and I'm, I'm really driven by data and I'm wondering, um, you lead the sales, you lead the product and, uh, and your role was, uh, really, let's say, uh, complex and robust, right? And I'm, I'm high, I really believe in data. So I'm wondering what kind of OKRs, KPIs, uh, usually do you follow or are important for you, uh, on this, uh, on this level? Yeah, it's, it's, it's honestly quite difficult because this varies team by team very much. Um, so if I look on sales, it's pretty easy. You have contact points, you have demonstration for a SaaS software, you have uh, conversion rates, you have number of leads coming in. So it's, this is pretty basic and pretty, pretty easy. Also for marketing, it's pretty straightforward. You just say, okay, you're, you're orientating yourself on cost per lead. Um, you have something like brand awareness of the company maybe, but these are like the core KPIs that you need in our size. Um, but if it comes to more product and tech teams, it's super difficult um, because what you can measure, and this was my, it's, but it's more a gut feeling, honestly, a gut KPI, I would say, is um, what is the percentage of um, how you spread the technology resources um, among bugs, maintenance tasks, and features. And as long as you have a share, for example, which is more than 50% bucks, you know something is going in the complete wrong direction. Um, if you say on the other side, you have 80% features, you know also you will create a problem in the future because you don't, you're not working on the maintenance. So you can get a gut feeling on this structure. But in tech, it's super difficult. You can just orientate, I think, in the end on the product quality. And this is difficult to measure. I tend to the fact, because I'm a commercial person, to measure everything by commercial numbers. So if we have a low churn rate, the product is good. Full stop. Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. I recently talked with uh, one guy who was uh, leading the, the product for the tier mobility, and he was uh, saying similar words, right? From the very top, when you talk, we'll talk with the management, it's all about the commercial numbers, right? And how you could translate it uh, into yes. the uh, features or the product. But it's all about the commercial stuff. So you always look yes. for impact there. Agree. And uh, regarding the fast delivery, because usually in the team structure, you have a, let's say, sales team and you have the product team. And there is like a, this, uh, they work together, but there is some, uh, you know, um, challenges between those. They challenge each other because the sales want more features because they uh, hear something from the client and the product is saying like, hey, we need some time, we need some focus, we need debugging, we need, the, I don't know, we need to pay the tech step. And in your case, you you just kind of in both of those roles. So I'm wondering, uh, how have you approached it to, to deliver faster? Like what was your best uh, practices here? So I think it depends on the stage of the company. I think in the very, very um, beginning, it can be even an advantage to have both roles in the same person uh, because you can take decisions quite fast. Because sometimes uh, if it's a question whether you win a big client, it's simple the question on a single feature that you have to prioritize against other features. Um, but 
the 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 more you grow and the bigger you get as a company, the more you have to be careful not to lead your uh, product development by sales. Of course, it needs to be influenced. Sales will always be the biggest influence of the product team. Um, but I think also what 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 we felt is there is kind of a the missing balance between both powers um, if it gets a bit bigger. Because of course, in my personal head, I always had the decision whether we win a six-digit ARR client or whether we uh, prom uh, do all the promise, uh, promised uh, tasks and features and the maintenance and the tech apps. And this is always like a complex commercial de de decision. And sometimes you have to um, just trust on your gut feeling. So in the end, it's better to have balance of both in, in, in both powers. And this is also one of my lessons learned um, for the future. Um, uh, when, I, when, I will, when I will start a new company, there will be, uh, most likely, I will be more focusing on the product part um, and uh, like having the strategy and the vision for the product, but having a dedicated sales officer who is like the counterpart and saying, okay, we need this to sell this, but then you have this kind of discussion which is more successful and more sustainable for the company. I'm wondering about the team set setup in which you believe. So yesterday I heard about the Zoom and Zoom said like to all of the employees, we're coming back to the office, right? The company was responsible, let's say, for all the remote work revolution. Uh, now, now they are saying like, let's get back to the office. And I'm wondering in what do you believe? Like there is hybrid solution, full remote, in-house teams, outsourced teams. How do you approach it and how it was? maybe uh, how it evolved in Yakando. Yes. So if I look back 10 years ago, it was clear that you are five days in the office. There was not even a discussion on it. It was clear. So we started to have home office, I think after a year or two, and then we had one day in the month or so, like uh, on, on, if there was an opportunity to go for a long weekend, you did this and somebody asked whether he could stay Friday or Monday with his parents or whatever. This was the exception. Um, this was drastically changed with COVID. Um, and I think right now the answer is I'm more convinced on a hybrid solution than on a pure remote solution. I don't believe at all in a, in a, in a full on-site solution because it does not make sense. It is ecological, not, uh, not useful because you're spending resources to travel. Uh, second, you lose time. Third, it's not work-life balanced uh, supporting. So it, had, it has lots of downsides. So for me, it does not make sense. Um, but at some point, some teams and especially some people need this personal interaction. Um, and I feel that some employees really, they need you need to take them by the hand. You really need to take them by the hand. They need this weekly kind of to fix, even if it's monthly, just to see you to drink a coffee with you. And then there are other people, we had them at Yakando as well, who could work 100% remote and they were so efficient. Uh, and we could have the same kind of talk on a, on a virtual way. And I think this depends on the people. Um, so my, my recommendation is to have a hybrid model with one, two, three office days on average per week to see the people, but not forced. Because if you have a very good person who can work remote because of personal reasons, why not? It's not making a change. So, but as a general standard, I still feel hybrid is the solution to go. And uh, regarding the product delivery and uh, s uh, successfully product delivery in a, in such a highly distributed team teams, I'm just wondering because you have great experience. You work on a sales side and you work on the product side. 
So you understand both challenges on both sides. Side. So I'm wondering, do you have any tips or advices that you could give to other um, other uh, other leaders who uh, who are facing, let's say, um, building the products in a highly distributed team? Uh, what contributed to success of uh, like deli delivering great product, which uh, Yakando is? This is a very difficult question. In the end, uh, it's, it's not even my answer is not related to tech, honestly, because it it really um, is related to people. So if you have a very good marketing officer or sales officer or a good CTO or a VP engineering or whatever kind of titles, I don't I don't give so much about titles, but generally, like you have a lot of like like people who are driving it, you will have success. Even if success is that you, that they give you as an outcome, okay, we could deliver 85% of the planned sprint, but in very good quality. This is also like a big success. Instead of having 100% at poor quality or 50% um, just done. So it's something also like the balance between quality and, and quantity. And in the end, it's people. Uh, I made the experience with very bad leadership in, in, in tech teams uh, in my own company where I hired the wrong people, honestly. And trusted the wrong people, um, and in this case, you really have an issue because it's going down to the last employee. Uh, it's even going down to the intern. So if the leadership in the team is not not good, you will not deliver. So it's not a tech issue, I guess. It's a general leadership issue, and this starts um, in in Germany. You say it always starts like the fish is uh, making the the sounds. So it starts from the beginning, from the top. Uh, exactly, exactly. This is the word. Um, so, and this is, this is very much true for business, uh, where you, where you see it in all teams. If the leader is a good guy, if the team manager is a good guy, uh, you don't have an issue with the delivery in any team. And could you tell me about your biggest startup failure as a founder? <laughs> yes, I can. So there were lots of, <laughs> honestly, in 11 years, I can list, I can write a book about this. No, but, but honestly speaking, I think two things come to my mind. Um, I think you have to find the right uh, funding set up for the company. Um, and my biggest mistake was at some point I invited the wrong investors at a, at a medium stage five, six years ago to, to my company uh, who had no industry expertise. And uh, we had not the best setup, so we were not a team because with small investors, if you're still a small company, you need to be a team with your investors. Of course, it changes if you are like 10, 15 years down the road and you're making significant revenues. But in the beginning, you need to team up with the investors. This did not work out. And second is, um, yes, I had this technical issue. So what we did, we, we were very much successful. We bootstrapped our product. And in, in SaaS and in HR tech, it's very difficult to bootstrap. Um, but we gained 60, 70 clients without any kind of funding um, against the big players in the market. And in this time, uh, we, we took the decision based on our funding to rebuild the whole software, which was a good decision as a whole. But how we did this was a complete disaster. Honestly, it was a, was a really a complete disaster. So what we did, we, we shipped the product far too early in a very bad quality. So our churn rate just went up from 2 to 3%, which was super good, uh, to 25 30% in, in, in some quarters. It was exploding because the quality of the product got so bad that, that our customers were just running away. And then we had to take really one year of 
pure quality period. And then have we had those sprints just consisting out of bucks. And if you have this, you know you're in a really, really stressful situation. And this was the biggest mistake I did. I think if we would have done the relaunch one year later uh, and have taken another year, we would be much much more successful during those times. Thanks for that. Uh, and I have a last question that I wanted to ask you and I ask all of my guests. I mean, like, can you recommend any books, podcasts, maybe conferences or resources that have been particularly helpful to you as a leader? Yeah, this is globally difficult to say because it depends a bit on your background and uh, on your uh, resources and also like on your on your on your experience what you what you already made um so what 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 i read is a couple of books on lean startup things to make things without any funding if possible for example nathan latka is doing a lot in SaaS and and those and those he's not writing typical textbooks but it's more based on experience of, of people of course, also I, I read, for example, the bio of, of Steve Jobs because it was very impressive to see how the how it went with the company. It's not about the heroic person on the front. It's more how Apple developed all the time. So I think it's it's in, in, in this kind of sense, it's really like textbooks around how to build a lean but valuable company. A lean startup is a good recommendation I could definitely make. Hmm. Just make the notes. Uh, I... Uh... I think the Latka and and this guy he's he has a blog, right? Uh yeah. He what well, what's amazing about him, he has not only a blog because he started like a company where he is a bit changing the, the software as a as a service industry because he is giving um money to founders based on their ARR. So simply he's doing venture venture debt funding, which is pretty cool because Diluting is the most uh, negative thing that you can have when you do funding. Um, and he's bridging it with a very simple model and is giving you money within 48 hours or so. So it's directly fast. You just upload your Stripe account, for example. He has proof of concept that you have those ARR. And then he's saying, okay, I give you 20, 30, 40% of your ARR, with, of course, with a high, high interest rate, but without any dilution. Nice. Nice. I need to read about it. I haven't heard about this concept that the guy is having. So thanks. Uh, thanks for the inspiration here. He has, he has also a very good, very good uh, Slack community. It's founder-led, uh, founder-led growth. Um, it's a Slack community where where you can request access if you're in the DAS industry, which is pretty interesting because you can also connect to a lot of people. It's very US, of course, but it's still very interesting. And some European people are as well in there. Awesome. Thank you, Dennis, uh, for the time. That's all uh, from my list of questions that I have to ask you. Uh, thanks for great tips and advices. I think this will be really valuable for all of the founders and tech leaders uh, in our community. Thanks, Matt. It was a pleasure. Follow Matt on LinkedIn and subscribe to the Better Tech Leadership newsletter.